1: This is Adam Carriker on the ticket. Position right of the quarterback, out of the shotgun, first and twenty. Jailbreak screen in the air. It is tipped. It is
2: intercepted by Carriker at the Missouri twenty-one yard line.
1: Live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Eight-year NFL vet and All-American defensive lineman Adam Carriker. Shotgun snap to average. He's got the left arm going, and now he's got a whole lot of hand, Carriker. 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Here's your host, Adam
2: Carricker. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a Friday edition of Adam Carriker on The Ticket each and every week going forward, not just Mondays, but now Fridays. You can also check out the Big Ten show throughout the week here on The Ticket, and they will also be streaming and using the Character Chronicles as well. Each and every Monday and Friday, I will be live right here right now on the ticket. Now, a bit of a double-edged sword for me today because I've been looking forward to this show all week. All right. And at one point in the game last night, I was like, I'm going to be breaking down a win. I'm going to be talking about a win. The first half, Minnesota, It felt like they really controlled the game. But what they really controlled was time of possession. They had the ball for over 18 minutes. They had the ball for over 11 minutes in the first quarter. By the end of the game, time of possession was about 50-50. Now, if you looked at the stats at halftime, and I talked about this in my gut reaction last night, we actually had more total yards. We had more rushing yards. We were averaging nearly seven yards a carry. Okay, they were dinking and dunking, and we weren't stopping it, and they were methodically slowly moving the ball. But until late in the fourth quarter, they only had three points. And as the second half rolled on, we got the kickoff return for 65 yards from Amir Johnson. They call the double pass. Jeff Sims drops it, picks it up, throws it for a touchdown. Okay, and we're up 7-3. to The play is called Osborne, if you didn't know by now, after Coach Osborne. We get a field goal to go up 10 to three as the game progresses. And you just kind of feel like the offense is maybe finding a little bit of an identity. Minnesota's quarterback looked confused, frustrated. I felt as the game was going along that we were just one score away because there wasn't going to be a lot of points in this game. My prediction of 24 to 17 seems outrageous now considering that there weren't anywhere near that amount of points scored and even when I picked I'm like man this seems high but I was still under the over under of what was it 43 and a half going into the game so I felt all right about it but if we've just got one more field goal one more score pinned them deep in their side of the field like they weren't going to move the ball the length of the field to score again and we were just right there and you felt like we were just so close to taking the game Over, not dominating or not just running them off the field, but just like having control of the game. We were so close and I thought I was going to be talking about a win. I've been looking forward to this show. I'm looking forward to doing more of this shows here on the ticket. Alas, as we know, it did not turn out how we had hoped. All right, I'm going to get into the game. Obviously, I'm going to break it down. What I saw, my thoughts, Watched the film this morning, broke it down. Chatted with some folks who were smarter than I. Hopefully they educated me so I can help edumacate others as well. And we'll chat about this Nebraska football game. We'll chat about a little bit looking ahead to the season going forward throughout this program. I have no guests. There's no reason to have a guest when you have a show the day after a game. It's part of the reason I had two guests last Monday. And looking ahead to next week, just real briefly, I got a couple of former Colorado players that are going to join me. These are guys that I know. Matt McChesney, a former defensive MVP for Colorado. This dude is not boring. He asked me to come on his show, and when he asked me to come on his show, I'm like, well, you're coming on my show because this dude, we got to get him on video somehow too. Like he's 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 an entertaining dude. And then a guy that I played with in D.C. is going to join me on Friday, a Super Bowl champ with the Broncos, played for the Buffs, and we went against each other every day in practice for three years, four years in D.C. I forget how long he was there. I was there four years. But he won a Super Bowl with the Broncos eventually, and that's offensive lineman Tyler Columbus. And we like to give each other a lot of crap all the time. So those will be entertaining segments. But as far as the right here, right now, okay, you look at this Nebraska game and Jeff Sims. This is a guy when you look at him, he's a physically imposing guy. You watch him on film. You watch what he did at Georgia Tech. You you watch his physical abilities. You watch what he did last night. The dude is 6'4", 220, and he's got some wheels. He's not easy to bring down. Okay, if we were back in the old triple option offense days, he would have fit that offense like a perfect glove, and they're trying to mold an offense around his skill set. All right, now everyone immediately jumps to the three interceptions, and I get that. He has 24 career starts. He has 31 career touchdowns, 26 career INTs. All right, he still has two years of eligibility left, even though he's got a bunch of experience coming into last night in the season. Typically, an acceptable touchdown to interception ratio, and I call it exceptional because it's kind of like what quarterbacks go for. It's their goal, hoping you'll be better. It's two touchdowns to every one interception you throw. So obviously, we got to work on that a little bit there with Sims but the offense kind of just revolves around him and I know that's silly to say when it comes to a quarterback that tends to be the case more often than not but when you think about the run game all right he had 91 rushing yards if you add together our top two running backs running totals it's 81 yards Gabe Irvin and Anthony Grant he also had more carries by himself. He carried the ball 19 times. Anthony and Gabe carried it 16. And if you add in our third running back, because uh, Ramirez had one carry for a negative yard, so the total rushing yards for our three top running backs actually would go down a yard, but he still had more carries than our top three running backs combined. Obviously, the passing game is going to revolve around a quarterback. So he has to take care of the ball better. He has to be better about his decision-making. That is obvious. Three INTs is a big deal. Not acceptable if you're trying to win close, tough ball games, especially in your division within the Big Ten Conference. That being said, he does need help. I, I mean, the the offensive line was better. They were better. I don't know how they couldn't be. They were better, okay, mostly, in my opinion, in the run blocking, in the pass blocking, they got to be able to give him more time. Okay, he's got to have wide receivers that get open. I think we only had eight receptions by a wide receiver or a tight end. So, obviously, I'm not counting Heinrich Harburg's first down reception from the tight end H-back position. Okay, we need Billy Kemp to step up more. We need Marcus Washington. We need some of these other guys to step up. We need some of our talented uh, tight ends, Thomas Fedoni, okay, Berkshire. I mean, we need some of these guys to step up. And we need to create separation. There needs to be more time for the quarterback to throw. These guys need to be getting open. Jeff needs to make better decisions. And we need to have an offense that doesn't entirely revolve around him, the run game and the pass game, regardless of how dynamic he is, because it's going to be easier for defenses to hone in on. Also, I mean, God forbid, I-, I shudder to even say it, but you know, we haven't had the best luck with backup quarterbacks in quite a while here. So if he got banged up, You know, we don't know what Purdy and and Harburg look like as backups this year. We know how it's looked in recent years, and that wasn't phenomenal. Hopefully there's been vast improvement there. So one of the things that sticks out to me is Sims has to play better, but the offense has to give him help as an overall whole much better. One thing I did like that we did offensively, we were able to run the ball better. When you look at Minnesota, they rushed for 55 yards, okay, 2.2 yards a carry. I mean, if you had any concerns about the little 335 defense getting pushed around by these Big 10 bullies, and I don't know that Minnesota's a juggernaut. You know, we'll we'll, we'll learn a lot more when we play Michigan here in a few weeks and we play some of these other Big 10 teams, but Minnesota has pushed us around for a long time. Even if we win the first half of the game, they usually come out in the second half and they push us around. They did not do that to our defense. The 335 defense, the black shirts, they played well. At the end of the game, Granted, it was a short field after Anthony Grant's fumble. It would have been nice to have gotten a stop and prevent them from the game-tying touchdown. I believe that was on a fourth down, okay, that touchdown pass, and how he drugged that foot is beyond me. He must have extra long toenails or something, okay, or, or you know get the stop when they're trying to get the game-tying field goal. It felt like Minnesota couldn't get the big play. Nobody could really get the big play beyond our trick play, Okay, and the 65 yard kickoff return by Ramir Johnson, but they were able to dink and dunk at times, which is why they controlled the time of possession without having a whole lot of yards at all. They only averaged 4.5 yards per pass or per, per pass as a team, Minnesota. We averaged six, and that's not very good. They averaged 4.5. Uh, honestly, it was interesting because I coach youth football, and what I saw from Minnesota youth football teams do two things on offense typically. They usually give it to their biggest, fastest kid who just tends to stick out on the field. That was us with Jeff Sims. Or the flats are almost always wide open. Everyone you know, runs cover three or cover one, high school on down. But the flats are usually wide open. And they just killed us in the flats over and over and over. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm watching middle school football right here. Or JV or even high school football from a schematic standpoint as far as just give it to your biggest fastest guy on offense if you're Nebraska over and over and if you're Minnesota just kill him with the flats because that's what teams tend to do at that age so we got to find a, some help for Jeff Sims he's got to be a better the decision making process the offensive line I thought did better in the run game we averaged nearly 5 yards a carry i think at halftime we were averaging about 7 okay got to protect the quarterback a little bit, bit better and got to get separation with the wide receivers and pass catchers we got to find a way to threaten teams vertically And we did. We ran a couple of trick plays. We ran the Osborne play. We ran a reverse later on. Okay. So they're trying to find ways to keep the defense on their heels, not be so predictable. The Huskers, uh, offensive coaching staff. So they're trying to be a little bit creative defensively. I mean, well, I want to go back to one thing real quick. Our running backs, we have, we have legit three good running backs. Okay. And the fact that you're starting running back, the guy that you've heard about a lot this offseason, only had seven carries in Gabe Irvin Jr. got to get that guy the ball more. And we got to get the ball to him in appropriate situations. Okay, And, yes, I'm alluding to the fumble. And I'm not going to point out uh, an individual college player, but I'm going to say I remember when we got the ball that drive. I legit said, because all we've heard is Anthony Grant's had fumbling. He's an elite back, but he's had fumbling issues. I was like, all right, I want to see anybody in the backfield but Anthony Grant at this point in time. And then he happened to be in the backfield and he fumbled, okay? And again, not trying to point fingers, but it's, it's what happened. It was my exact thought process. So I don't know why Gabe doesn't get the rock a little bit more. I mean, he did average basically 8 yards, 7.9 yards per carry. So get him the rock a little bit more. As dynamic as Anthony is, he averaged 3 yards per carry, all right? So spreading it out, doing some different things on offense at least trying to, getting better at things. I know they're limited, obviously. We don't have a lot of deep threats as as pass catchers, and we didn't know what to expect from the offensive line. And Jeff Sims is exactly who he was before he got here, okay? A guy who, I mean, you can revolve a lot of the offense around, maybe not so much in the pass game at times, okay? But it would help if he had a little bit of help as well. Now, you you look at the special teams. I thought the special teams played pretty well. The coverage units were good. We had the kickoff return that was good. We definitely did. I felt like the special teams was improved last year when Bill Bush took over, and then obviously he became the defensive coordinator as the year went along. And I feel like through game one, and I don't know how explosive Minnesota is. I I know they have some receivers that are really good. Their tight ends really good. Uh, guys that are going to be in the NFL. Beyond that, I I have my doubts about. How good Minnesota may or may not be this year they always end up with like eight to ten wins so they're probably going to do that again I do think their schedule is a little rougher than they've had in the past but I thought the coverage units on special teams were good Uh, we made our only field goal attempt that hasn't always been something we can just take for granted around here so I'll take that for a start I think it was only like a 30 yard attempt 27 something like that okay then you look at the defense I thought the defense played well it was interesting because the, the adjustments on defense were obvious. The reason that Minnesota was able to move the ball early on, we, we were putting a lot of four-man rushes, okay? A good, a good portion of the time, four-man down, but we weren't blitzing a ton. And we were not getting to the quarterback with the four-man rush. It's pretty obvious we're going to have to blitz in order to get to the quarterback. But the first half, we really weren't blitzing a ton. A lot of four-man rushes, especially in in the passing situations. And Minnesota was able to dink and dunk and hit the flats and move the ball and run the ball just enough to keep the chains moving. I think they had the ball three times the first half. We had it two, maybe three. Uh, I mean, it was very methodical, slow-moving. But, again, the black shirts only gave up three points. The adjustments that were made. And it was kind of like Tony White was feeling it out. Like, all right. We're going to see what they do we're going to see what they come out with and we're not going to give up the big play early on we're not going to come out guns blazing when we're not sure what they're going to do and then they hit us for a cheap touchdown or two over the top and i respect that that is smart but as the game went along it was like all right we're not stopping them they're not blowing the roof off this joint but we ain't stopping them so we got to make some adjustments and we started blitzing and we started doing some more exotic things and we were able to get some pressure on them as the game went along and so i thought in-game adjustments was something that the, the defensive coaching staff did really well. I felt like the offense during the second half was moving the ball, getting a little bit of an identity, especially through the run game, obviously. You know, having a touchdown taken off the board right before halftime because of a false start, and then an interception took a touchdown or a field goal off the board, one or the other, and then we're, we're down there later on, and we have a tight end who false starts. And even though the play didn't actually happen, you could see the blocking. And I talked about this last night in my show, too. You could see the blocking. It was there. It was going in for a touchdown. So we had, right before half, either a field goal or touchdown taken off. And then later on, we had another touchdown taken off due to a false start. So anywhere from 10 to 14 points that were taken off the board. And then, obviously, the four turnovers. And we we had more than twice as many uh, penalties, more than twice as many penalty yards, the key fumble at the end. You know, this was a game where I saw a lot of frustrating things that we've seen in the past which is hard to deal with when you see the same things again. And I, I, I just recorded a show that I'll put out on YouTube here shortly, and I talk about what frustrated me the most wasn't that we lost. It wasn't that it was ugly. I predicted it would be low scoring and ugly. That's what I said. It's, it's their first game, okay? They have a revamped O-line, a new quarterback – no disrespect, I don't think he's that great, and I kind of hinted at that before the game. When you have more i more ints, talk about a two to one ratio, more ints than you have touchdowns in a season, and he had a fair amount of starts last year. That's not great. Running back by committee means nobody's standing out, and you're missing basically your entire back seven, barring your uh, all conference free safety, all conference safety, who may be an all American. He had two picks last night. I was like, they're it's going to be ugly for them. It's going to be ugly for us because it's. New coach, new offense, new defense, first game on the road. I mean, it just is what it is. None of that really bothered me. What bothered me was they didn't beat us. We shot ourselves in the foot, the other foot, the hip, and then we decided to shoot off our shoulder too, I think, while we were at it. Uh, They didn't beat us. We beat ourselves. But here's the deal. It's game one. It's year one. I could see in-game adjustments by our defensive coaches. I could see the offense finding a way to move the ball as the game progressed. Now, I talked about the fumble. I talked about the decision to have Granite running back. Okay, and to me that's more of a coaching decision than it is a player because you know what he is until he gets better at it. Okay, but there was a point, I think it was late third quarter, early fourth quarter, where we, we were starting to run the ball. And you could kind of feel like I alluded to earlier. We were starting to take the game over. And then we throw three straight passes. And I didn't understand that. Were were we just trying to stay balanced? Were we trying to keep them off balance? Not be so predictable? I guess I can understand that. Or I don't know. We're moving the ball. We found a way to run the ball. We found a way to kind of take the game over. We look like the stronger team as the team's going along. So let's throw the ball three straight times. So um, I got to point out both sides. There were things I thought the coaches did really well. Those were the two things that stuck out to me the decision to throw the ball three straight times at that particular point in the game and obviously you know the decision to have a particular running back in at a certain point he's a good running back he's fun to watch he's dynamic Till he takes care of the ball a little bit better you have to keep that in consideration you know those were the two biggest things that stood out to me as far as in-game decisions you know and it's easy to look back on it it's easy to watch it from the stands it's easy to watch it from the tv and be like oh well, that's an easy thing why not to do or to do why'd you do that well you know, at the same time, I do think there's a level of accountability that comes with with the big paycheck. So that's part of it too. So defensively, I thought we played really well. I mean, we held them to two hundred and fifty one yards, fifty-five yards rushing, two point two yards per carry, four point five yards per completion. All they could do was really hit the flats, and then they hit the, the corner, the corner route for the touchdown to tie the game. But I thought the black shirts played well. I mean, this wasn't just a slight overhaul. When you go to the 3 defense, you're completely changing what you do. And to come out game one and look like this, and again, I don't know how good Minnesota is on offense, but here's what I do know. I know the black shirts looked really good. I know that for three and a half quarters, they were far and away the superior, I don't know, far and away superior unit, but they were the better unit to Minnesota's offense. And unfortunately, we couldn't get the stops late in the fourth quarter when we needed to, when they were put in a, a difficult situation. But they tackled, Tackled, that T word, tackled really well. So I thought the black shirts played well. I think the special teams are definitely improved. The offensive line has improved in areas, still needs to improve in other areas. And I've addressed a lot of the other things as an overall whole. Now, when it comes to the reaction to the game, And if you watched my gut reaction, I think the reason I was the way I was was because I was like, I literally was like, we're, we had a touchdown lead. We were running the ball. Then we threw it three straight times. But I was just like, we're taking, we're going to not take this game over as in we're just going to run them off the field. But like, we are going to win this game because we have gotten stronger. They look befuddled and the balls in our hands. And then obviously it went the way it went. And then we lost the way that we lost. And I was so conflicted and frustrated after the game because I had convinced myself that we're going to win this game. And then we're going to go to Boulder and win. And then we're going to win the next 64 games in a row. No, I'm just kidding. But I think that's what frustrated me so much after the game. To so keep it in perspective. It's year one. It's game one. Okay. Let's not overreact. Let's let the coaches do what they do. And let's let them build this thing. There's obvious pluses. There's obvious things that need to get better. Let's not get too crazy trigger-happy with this thing, and let's let Matt Rule and his staff do their thing. We're going to take a commercial break, and then we're going to talk a little bit more football. The People segment, how did I forget that? Call or text 402-464-5685. As always, 402-464-5685. Send me your questions, last 10 minutes of the show. And as always, check out gelandscapeandsupply.com. We'll be right back.